Welcome to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I'm Brett DiGiovanna, psychiatrist, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you and hopefully to provide you with information that will help inform and inspire you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is podcast number 37. The title of today's talk is Updates on Suicide in a Post-COVID World. Today, I'd like to talk to you about a number of issues related to suicide. I'd like to begin with the new national number, 988. This number replaces a previous 1-800 number. The change took place in July of 2022, and users may call, text, or chat, and are connected with trained counselors. There are a number of important issues related to this change. Having a three-digit number sends the message that mental health emergencies are important and require the same level of response as other types of health emergencies and makes it easier for clinicians to counsel their patients on how to access emergency mental health care. The current Lifeline network has more than 200 crisis centers in place. From its inception in 2005 through 2020, the Lifeline has received over 20 million calls. Currently, the Lifeline receives approximately 4 million calls or texts per year. In 2020, of the more than 940,000 calls, 22.5% had suicidal thoughts within the past 24 hours. 4% were believed to be at an imminent risk of suicide, and almost 1% were in the midst of a suicide attempt during the call. About 25% of callers required emergency services to be dispatched to their location. It is believed by 2026, the volume could reach up to 24 million callers or texters per year. The new 988 number comes about at a time when we're increasingly aware of limitations of the current system. According to the New York Times, approximately 17% of the 2 million calls in 2021 were abandoned before the caller could receive help. Among the many goals of the 988, It hopes to answer 95% of all incoming calls within 20 seconds. It should be noted that the current crisis system has been historically underfunded and undervalued, but new funding developments may help meet the growing need. The federal government has planned to increase funding to $282 million in the year 2022. And in 2023, the Biden administration will allot an additional $700 million to local crisis centers. One of the goals of the 988 number is to help shuttle patients away from utilizing 911 services. This represents an effort to have mental health professionals address mental health crises rather than police. Individuals with serious mental illness account for 17% of use of force cases and around 20% of suspects injured in police interaction. Furthermore, injury death, and other adverse outcomes are 10.7 times more likely for individuals with mental health disorders in interactions with police. Once the 988 infrastructure is fully developed and integrated through the country, it has the potential to greatly reduce the current burden of these mental health emergencies that are responded to by 911 calls. The person in crisis will likely engage in a more therapeutic manner with a mental health clinician than with a 911 response team. I'd next like to talk to you about some issues specifically related to COVID and its impact on suicide and suicidal ideation. 
It's important to remember that the U.S. suicide rate has actually been climbing over the past two decades, and that there have been higher levels of anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation, all risk factors for suicide. From the second quarter of 2019 to June of 2020, the prevalence of anxiety symptoms tripled in the United States, and the prevalence of depressive symptoms nearly quadrupled. Compared to 2018, suicidal ideation in the past 30 days more than doubled in 2020, with particularly steep increases among young people, Black Americans, and Hispanic Americans. It was believed that in the pandemic, the overall suicide rate would increase. Total U.S. suicides actually fell from 2019 into 2020. Over the last century, U.S. suicides rates have generally risen during economic recessions, while they have declined during economic expansions. For example, during the Great Depression, the suicide rate increased by 22.8% between 1928 and 1932. By contrast, wars have led to declines in suicide. Historically, the sharpest decrease in suicide rates occurred during World War II. Terrorist attacks and other mass catastrophes have also been associated with lower or stable suicide rates. It may be useful to look at the influenza pandemic of 1918 to 1920. During this time period, suicide rates actually fell and were 24% lower than between the years 1909 and 1917. However, after the influenza pandemic, the rate increased by 12% compared to the pandemic period. What studies show us is that while suicide rates may not increase during periods of pandemics or disasters, they can lead to economic hardships, which may then increase the suicide rate. The CDC just released information regarding rates in 2021, and there was an increase compared to both 2019 and 2020. The suicide rate for the year 2020 was 13.5, and in 2021 was 14 per 100,000. This is still below the modern peak of 14.2 in 2018. A number of studies have tried to identify risk factors that may account for increased suicidalization, especially during the pandemic. Socio-demographic characteristics identified with increased suicidal ideation include younger age, lower income, single relationship status, sexual orientation other than heterosexual, and non-full-time employment. There were also specific COVID-19 factors related to increased suicidal ideation, including not engaging in protective COVID-19 behaviors, receiving mental health treatment due to COVID-19 pandemic, socializing during the pandemic, losing one's job due to COVID-19, having a friend with COVID-19, and having an acquaintance with COVID-19. Finally, I'd like to conclude by talking about some information related to improving suicide prevention. We can understand suicide in the terms of a stress diathesis model in which stress results from an internal stressor. This is usually a psychiatric illness that is present in about 90% of all cases of suicide and is most commonly major depression with 
an external stressor involving life events. The diathesis is a combination of heightened perception of emotional distress, a greater propensity for emotion, impaired learning and problem solving, distorted social cognition involving a hypersensitivity to negative social signals, and diminished sensitivity to positive social signals. The diathesis moderates suicide risk, and the risk can be influenced adversely by acute alcohol or drug abuse, or via mood or disinhibition. We know of a number of things that have been found to greatly reduce suicidal ideation and completed suicides. Education is one of them. And in the realm of education, interventions targeted at general practitioners and non-psychiatrists tend to be immensely beneficial. Doctors in primary care and other non-psychiatric care settings see 45% of future suicides in the 30 days prior to the suicide, and 77% within 12 months of the suicide. That's double the rate of other mental health professionals. Training primary care doctors and nurses has been found to reduce the suicide rate, as well as non-fatal suicide attempts and episodes of suicidal ideation. Education also targeted directly to young people, such as high school students, has also been found to reduce suicide attempts. Screening also has an important place in reducing suicide. St. John Vianney Center uses the Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale on all of its residents. It has been shown to reduce the rate of suicide attempts with an odds ratio of 4.8 in adolescents and young adults following an emergency psychiatric evaluation. Next, I'd like to talk briefly about some treatment interventions which have been shown to reduce both suicidal ideation and completed suicide. If you recall, in the early 2000s, there was a concern regarding the prescription of antidepressants and the increased risk of suicide in youth. This actually came to the point where the FDA put black box warnings on antidepressants for use in children and young adults. What studies have shown is that these medications can actually reduce episodes of suicidal ideation and suicide attempts. The studies have shown that the greatest risk for a suicide attempt was actually in the month before antidepressant medication began. After the medication was initiated, the risk declined progressively over months. Studies have shown that newer medications have also been shown to reduce suicidal ideation, including intravenous ketamine. Older medications, such as lithium, have also been shown to reduce suicide attempts. In addition to medications, psychotherapy has also been shown to reduce suicidal behavior. Cognitive behavioral therapy decreases suicidal behavioral risk in adults and adolescents with depression. It halved reattempted rates in patients presenting to an emergency department after a recent suicide attempt compared to treatment as usual. Cognitive behavioral therapy likely works by improving negative problem orientation and emotion regulation reducing impulsivity and attenuating suicidal ideation. Psychodynamic therapy and group therapies have also been shown to reduce suicidal ideation. Finally, means restriction has been shown to be an important tool in reducing suicide. Means restriction entails limiting access 
to the means of one suicide attempt. For instance, we know that firearms account for more than half of the completed suicides in the United States. U.S. gun deaths increased by 35% from 2019 to 2020 and continued to rise into 2021, reaching the highest level in 30 years, according to the CDC. Both gun homicides and suicides increased, but the gun suicide rate was higher than the gun homicide rate in 2021. There were an estimated 26,000 gun suicides in 2021 alone. So programs aimed at restricting firearm access would be a helpful way to lower suicide rates. Both programs aimed at gun access restriction and gun safety have been shown to reduce firearm suicides with only a modest difference. So to summarize on a few key points from today's talk, number one, the new 988 National Suicide Hotline will likely provide increased access to mental health services and emergency services to those struggling with suicidal ideation. Early in the COVID pandemic, suicide rates actually declined, but now we are seeing a modest increase in suicide rates as we get longer into the pandemic and into the post-pandemic world. This may not be due to the pandemic itself, but some of its effects, such as economic and reduced access to mental health services. Finally, research has shown a number of interventions that can help reduce suicidal ideation and suicide attempts, including education, screening, medication, and means control. You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I hope today's topic, suicide in a post-pandemic world, proves useful to you. You can find all of our podcasts and additional resources for clergy and religious on our website. Click on resources. We are companions on your journey to stay healthy in mind, body, and spirit. We are the St. John Vianney Center, and our mission is you.